Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Film for Fans podcast, the podcast from movie fans for movie fans. I am your host, Ryan Dunleavy, joined by Rob Dunham. Hey, everybody. Thanks to Bible College. Can't see it, but it's there. Yeah. Yeah. Soccer <laughs> jersey for LBC. Rocket. I love it. All right. Uh, World Cup is just a few days away. Mm. Yeah. It's only been eight years. I know. <laughs> Man, I can't wait. But this is not a soccer podcast. This is, in fact, a movie podcast. And on this podcast, we will talk about the box office. We will do a little preview of Wakanda Forever. We will hit up a few news stories, including the uh, soon-to-open Glass Onion. And we will discuss what to watch this month on Netflix and Amazon Prime. So you can be ready and looking forward to that. But let's begin with last week's box office. Uh, Our top five looks like this. Black Adam. Still in the first place spot, 18.3 million this weekend, total of 137 million so far in its domestic three week run. Uh, new to the box office this week, one piece film, Red, uh, 9.3 million. This is an anime movie that came out this past week. Ticket to Paradise in its third week did 8.5 million, totaling there at 46.8. Smile. In week six as number four with $4 million, uh, approaching the $100 million domestic mark there. Uh, Pray for the Devil, another horror entrance uh, in its second week made $3.9 million for a total of $13.7. Uh, Rob, anything that stands out to you in the box office? Uh, I think the biggest thing that jumped out at me was the fact that Smile in its sixth, you say sixth week? Sixth week, yeah. Uh, um, still made more than Pray for the Devil, which is in its second week. Yeah. So speaking to how much this movie has resonated with the audience because it's got still got good word of mouth, mm-hmm. um, still making money as a horror movie. So it's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. Especially because if you were just like generic horror movie fan person, you would assume that the newer one would make more than an older one. So there must be something about the quality of Smile um, that's continuing to drive people to see that one over uh, a similar entrant uh, that was a four weeks newer. So yeah, that is impressive. And I would say um, I'll talk about it a little bit more in the watch list, but I saw Pray for the Devil today and mm-hmm. thought it was very good. So <laughs> the fact that Smile outperformed it makes me think that Smile must also be very good. So, yeah. so uh I guess we can get to this a little bit later, but is there a reason you went to pray for the devil and not smile? So uh, it was just a timing thing. So it was actually between pray for the devil and Wakanda forever. Yeah. And I let my best friend choose for me because <laughs> I wanted to see both. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. So I'm not sure if she cast lots or flipped the coin <laughs> or, you know, consulted some tea leaves or whatever, but she uh, came mm. up with that. So we did that. Fair enough. Yep. <laughs> Um, nothing really uh, of of real note for me that I need to comment on. Um, Black Adam's run has been decent. Um, it's not earth shattering by any stretch of the imagination, but it's been decent. Uh, I don't know what that means for the future of that character, but yeah, um, there was clearly some audience for it. It's maintained number one in the box office for three straight weeks, so 
Um, yeah, you probably can't ask too much more for for that particular movie. Uh, we'll see. Uh, so that was this past week. Uh, this week opening, our release for this week is Wakanda Forever. That's right. The second Wakanda movie that will uh, enter into the Marvel Universe. The first one, of course, was Black Panther uh, that exclusively focused on Wakanda. This one is Wakanda Forever. Um, so this one has been highly anticipated. Also, it has uh, an unusual tenor to it because um, the hole that Chadwick Boseman has left in Wakanda, the Marvel Universe, all those type of things, uh, looms large over this particular feature, the entire Marvel Universe, but also in particular Wakanda Forever. Um so what do you what are you expecting from Wakanda Forever? Uh I am expecting it to be good. Um and I really I I do think that there is enough there besides Chadwick to carry a movie. Um but it, I think it's really going to come down to the story. Mm -hmm. And I expect it to be good but that's me being optimistic. Yeah. So I'm really, I'm really not sure where it's going to end up falling. Um, but I am anticipating seeing it and I will go see it in the theater. I just didn't see it today. Yeah. Yeah. I think what I'm expecting, I'm expecting it to be decent. I'm not necessarily expecting it to be great. Decent to, to good is what I'm expecting. Um, I think it will be interesting to see how they deal with, um, the loss of Black Panther. Um, obviously Chadwick Boseman is dead, but the character Black Panther is dead. And so how they deal with that is will be interesting. Um, I'm not sure how they're going to how they're going to move forward. That's the question is how are they going to move forward? Cuz there are lots of interesting characters in that particular universe, uh but they also far have existed with Black Panther being the focal point. Um so now that you remove the focal point, um you have a bunch of what were previously side characters. So who who's the main showrunner? How does it work? Um what's what's the dynamic that's going to be involved there uh i think how they how they do that is going to be a huge factor in whether this movie succeeds or not and what the place of the wakanda universe has in the marvel uh cinematic universe going forward i think a lot rests on this movie going forward yeah there's definitely a lot of expectation and like you said a lot of weight yeah uh, I do think that sometimes when there's an emotional loss like this, it can like buoy the things that follow for the short term. I um thinking about like the Fast and Furious franchise mm -hmm. uh, when Paul Walker left, I thought that they did a decent job of um, honoring him 
Yeah. But I also think that some people like wanted to see what how they did that. So they yeah. went to see the, the next movie after he passed. Mm-hmm. I think there might be some of that with this movie as well. Yeah. Um, and part of that was, you know, um, he had filmed most of that movie. He had completed most of the last one he was in before he died. So there were only a few scenes they had to adapt. Whereas this one, the entire movie was created afterwards. Um, but it is true. It will be a factor in people going, I think. Um, and I wonder, you know, I mean, this has been said before. I wonder if, um, obviously, it was an emotional decision in the moment to say that we're not going to recast Black Panther. I wonder if, you know, a couple of years later, uh, if they had wished they would have done it differently. I don't know. What do you think? If they had to do it again, would you think they should have recast Black Panther or are you okay with the decision to end that particular role? I think there will be something like analogous to the Black Panther in the movie. Obviously, it won't be Black Panther, but Mm -hmm. um, clearly it's not the direction they had planned out or intended to go. Yeah, Um, I think they're planning on Black Panther and Spider-Man being the two characters that carried this like um phase of the marvel movies so it's hard to say if they made the right decision or not and honestly some of it might depend on how the movie does which is kind of cruel and um heartless but it's just facts yeah that's true yeah um so marvel phase four has been a little uneven so far um, the movies have done well financially, but they have not been as well received as the movies from the previous three phases. And I think it would be safe to say they're a little bit struggling with how this direction after Endgame uh, will go and and really finding uh, its footing both in terms of direction and with the individual movies themselves. So the question here is, what do you think uh, will... Wakanda forever break the phase four slump or will it continue? What do you think? I think monetarily it will break the slump because I think it's a movie that's going to appeal to a wide range of people. And I think a lot of families will go see it Mm -hmm. like tonight, just for a matinee when I was at the theater, I saw a few families like with several kids going to watch the movie. Yeah. So I think like, especially on like the, the weekend nights that are coming up that will happen a lot um i think it's going to make a good amount of money the question will it um emotionally and story-wise start an an upward trend for marvel and that's the biggest question i think we all have um i i feel that the tv shows that like that are part of this phase have been higher quality story-wise than most of what we've seen in the movies Mm mm-hmm so the question is, will one of these movies come in and like Black Panther was objectively a good movie, had a good story, was yeah. well acted. So can this do that too? Because I think it was kind of surprising to some people how good it was. Um, so I don't know. I guess we'll find out when we see it. Yeah. Yeah. I, If I were to guess, I would say The Slump continues. Not that it's going to be a bad movie. I do think it's going to be a decent movie. 
Um, and I think it will make a lot of money. I think a lot of people will go to see it. Uh, but from a continuing phase four, getting people excited about where the, the Marvel is headed, I don't think it I don't think it's gonna make the I don't think it's gonna fix the problem, as it were. That's my guess. Now I could be completely wrong on that, and it could be uh a fantastic movie that's amazing that really sets the course up. I would not be shocked if that happened. I mean, the other reality is that um, the original phase phases of these movies were so good. Yeah. That like, is it even realistic to think they can, the follow-ups can be as good? And I don't know if the answer to that is yes. Yeah. And that was the, that was always the question is where do you go after it? I mean, is it better to just let them sit for a while and, and start something entirely new or do you continue down the road you're going uh, and see if you can drum up something afterwards. And then what is afterwards? And that's, I think we're all still asking that question. I think what well, we're four movies into phase four, if I'm, mm-hmm. I mean, and we still don't really have a good sense of what's happening. And that's, that's the issue. Yeah. I've had one and I, in my opinion, uh, no way home was an incredible movie. So you have yeah. one incredible movie and then a few very, pretty middle of the road. Mm-hmm. Marvel, um, yeah. Marvel standards movies. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we'll see. Anything else on Wakanda? Uh, no, other than Quentin Tarantino can't wait for superhero movies to be done. So that's, <laughs> the, that's how everybody feels, apparently. Yeah, we didn't get uh, we didn't get that one in the agenda for this week, but uh, Tarantino has some opinions. Yeah. What a shock. <laughs> He's yeah, like, I think yeah. that's the least opinionated Tarantino moment right there. <laughs> what's, what's interesting to me is the number of directors who have come out and bashed uh, superhero movies. Um, I Part of me wonders, like, do you know how studios work? Yeah. You guys are directors. Like, you get to make the movies you want because these movies make a ridiculous amount of money. <laughs> like, that that's how that works you yeah know? and and so you're biting off the hand that you're feeding it's okay if you don't like the genre but yeah so i gotta say i just watched um so this is slightly related it's, it's a marvel thing but it's certain mm-hmm. tv show um but the she hulk show i i watched through recently in the mm-hmm. very last episode very fourth wall breaking and she goes to talk to kevin so kevin fig you know the the head of marvel uh-huh. but that kevin is actually a robot <laughs> <laughs> and it kind of makes uh some of the movie choices they've made make a little more sense if kevin is a robot who's just got to mm. throw things together yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah or um you can go that like Kevin Feige actually, you know, like died at the end of phase three and they've like have like this weird version of his his like consciousness, like mm. backup version uploaded into a robot or something. Yeah. Now we're going down major conspiracy theory route here. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Breaking, breaking on the Film for Fans podcast. It's not a conspiracy podcast. <laughs> It is not a conspiracy podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to a couple other news stories. Um, 
This is one I wanted to get in this week just to get everyone ready for it. Um, but the gla- glass onion is uh, is coming out here soon. And uh, we didn't do this story when this or this news originally broke, but I thought we could do it now since it's about ready to come out. But um, glass onion, if you are unfamiliar, is the follow up movie to Knives Out, uh, directed by Ryan Johnson. Um, and of course, uh, <laughs> sorry, and of course, starring Bond, as usual, uh, reprising his role as uh, as the detective in this one. And since it was a Netflix, Netflix paid ridiculous amounts of money, like I think somewhere in the neighborhood, like 300 million to do a couple sequels for this. Uh, everyone was wondering, okay, would this movie make it into theaters? And it is. It will be in theaters. However, it will be in theaters for one week only. Yes, it's going to debut on November 23rd and will only be in theaters for one week. It will then follow up with uh, its debut on Netflix on December 23rd. So you have one week uh, coming up here in a couple of weeks. And then you will get it on Netflix a month later. Uh, So this is going to be playing in approximately 600 theaters uh, across the three major chains, AMC, Regal, Cinemark. Uh, So what do you make of this, Rob? Well, first of all, I hope that it's uh, somewhere near me so I can go see it. Um, Beyond that, uh, I think you could probably see it making like $20-25 million maybe in a week, something like that. I don't think it's like a big blockbuster kind of movie mm-hmm. um, but i do think there are enough people who really love the first one that will want to see it if it's in the theater near them that it should make a decent amount of money for a week yeah i'm i gotta say i'm confused by this i i wonder if there's not some of netflix um being stuck in their model uh knives out made 311 million dollars in box office and you're like eh, one week's good enough i i just don't i don't understand i know you want to drive people to your platform but you will still drive people to your platform if it came out like a month later yeah you could let it have a have a six week run in the box office, which is a pretty standard run for a lot of movies. See how much money you made out of it. Um, It might even pay back for the entire amount you spent to get the rights to make several more movies. Um, It seems like you're throwing a lot of money away because I can't imagine you're going to get so many new subscribers or, you know, or prevent losses of subscribers compensate for the money that you would get by putting an already known quantity into theaters for longer yeah yeah i i agree with your take on that doesn't make a whole lot of sense if your goal is to make money yeah yeah uh so we'll see i i mean i'm i definitely want to see it i mean i i absolutely want to see this in theaters Uh, i hope it's playing near me Hope we are one of the 600 real cinemas somewhere in our area that will have one. But um, hopefully, uh, I just don't know. I mean, 
I would love to know how Netflix, the financial aspect Netflix business runs that they can spend, continue spending this ridiculous amount of money for content and then like have something that's would be such a good theater property and then not put it in theaters. I, I just don't, I, I don't see how that works for them financially, but I am not running that company. So whatever mm-hmm. Reed Hastings is doing, um, he's been reasonably successful so far. I don't know. Uh, any other thoughts on Glass Onion? No, I'm just still holding out hope that uh, that Daniel Craig has a completely different accent for no reason and is never because <laughs> that would be amazing. I like it. I like it totally. You should. <laughs> All right. Speaking of Netflix, in our next uh, news story, uh, The Gentleman, the movie from 2020, I think, 2020 or 2018. One of those two. I forget. Uh, I'll look it up. But The Gentleman, the movie starring Matthew McConaughey, directed by Guy Ritchie, his latest film, is getting a Netflix series. But not just getting a Netflix series. They're fully loading this. Uh, Guy Ritchie will be heavily involved. He's going to direct the first two episodes. It's got a pretty decent cast, including Vinnie Jones. It will be set in the world of the gentleman but will not feature the characters from the movie uh so this is this is interesting it's interesting on a number of levels uh one because um of all the movies that you could possibly choose to have a series about i wouldn't necessarily have picked this one not because i think it's a bad idea there's not enough content there it's just wasn't one of the first ones that popped into mind uh rob what do you what do you make of the gentleman getting a netflix series so given the fact that like you said none of the main characters from the movie are in it, it's just based on it really like and i've seen a few shows that are coming out like this now it's mm-hmm. not really to me it's not necessarily a, the gentleman show it's like the gentleman is there for the vibes like <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah like it's just a setting or a a feel or an emotional it's not really the movie um i think one show that has and my one of my favorite tv shows ever and i've talked about it before Mm. that has captured this really well is fargo Mm. yes Um, absolutely because fargo is definitely built off the general vibe slash emotional tenor of the movie and it's not the movie and none of the characters from the movie are in it yeah. Um. So I think this can be done successfully. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, especially when when done in like a limited run kind of mm-hmm. scenario, where you're like seven or eight episodes for a season and self-contained that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, this can have real success. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with it. Um, yeah. And what kind of dynamics they try and play off of and build on. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of seeing an expanded universe for Guy Ritchie because uh, some of his films are so unique. And he is, we, as we talked about in that one out podcast episode, he's one of the most unique directors who has his, his classic style. And I wonder, I'm, I'm curious as how that's going to translate into a TV series. I hope it translates well, because more of it is good. Uh, but this really does continue a, a growing trend uh, of taking the world of a movie and translating it out uh, to television. You've seen, obviously, you mentioned Fargo already on Prime. You have Jack Reacher. You have 
uh, Reacher on Amazon Prime. Uh, I said Jack Ryan and then Reacher. <laughs> those are two separate things. I, I combined them. Um, you have those two properties. Plus, you've seen network TV do this. Uh, Limitless was one that happened uh, a few years ago, as well as there was a short, short-lived Minority Report series. Um, this is this is something that's becoming more and more popular. Uh, what do you what do you make of this trend? Is this something you think is going to continue? Um, and obviously, you've got the whole Marvel ecosystem too. Yes, with a ton of ton of shows. Um, yes, absolutely. And Star Wars, I, along with that, I think it will continue because I think studios and uh, executives want to capitalize on what people find popular or what people are going to spend money on or people are going to watch because they want people to pay more attention to what they're doing. So um, I don't see any reason why that trend would slow down or stop. Mm -hmm. Are TV shows the new sequel movies? Um, I think, I don't know if I'd go that far, but I would say that they are a way to broaden um, and deepen a story that is just not possible in a movie format because you're not going to do like a lot of movies. You're not necessarily going to have four or five movies after them, but if you are able to broaden it slash tell a different story, like the Fargo, like I had said, mm-hmm. or like some of these Marvel shows that are able to look more at um, aspects of a world that would not necessarily translate well into film. Yeah. Um, I think that's the real benefit of TV shows because people are used to t- to TV shows being procedural where you mm-hmm. have a lot more detail. It's a lot more character driven. It's not necessarily huge effects or um, like stunning visuals. It's more about the acting and the story. And you can't necessarily do a lot of that in movies if you want it to be um, like commercially successful. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, it's interesting. I I wonder if we will get some cameos from some of the actors from the movie. I wonder if you will. I think it would be awesome to do a tie-in. I think the one that did this best was Limitless. Uh, Limitless had Bradley Cooper in a few of its episodes. Hmm. And uh, he did make a random cameo appearances as the character from the movie. And so that was really cool. Like it really made a difference. It gave the series more weight. Of course, it didn't actually survive, but the the episodes themselves, it did give it a lot more weight. So I wonder if we won't see a cameo, two cameos, you know, somewhere along that line, just to just to let you know you're in that universe, really. Yeah, um, I'm curious. I'm curious to see what's going to happen here. Um, just out of curiosity, is there, uh, are there any other movies that you would think would be a good series to continue? So I don't know if it's necessarily like a movie in particular, but I would love to see, um, I'd really love to see Jordan Peele do mm. some kind of serial thing with just the, the, um, feeling of his movies. Mm-hmm the uncomfortable feeling the the uh like silent terror kind of aspect of the movies that he's been making because i think there's a lot there um that could be done well in the show type format so i 
I wouldn't be surprised if he did that at some point down the road because I see him as someone who likes to explore kind of every um, area of the art that he can. Mm -hmm. So I could definitely see that happening at some point. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like that. That's a good one. Um, one one thought I had, and I don't know how it would work, and it was just kind of a random thought of my I the movie uh The Martian, how that cast interact and how that crew interacted, I think that would be really cool if you did a series that takes place on Mars hmm. along those lines, like the Mars missions. Um and you could go back and forth with life on Mars. I think there would be I think there could be something there. I mean, you know studios who are all the studio execs who are listening to this podcast right now um i am trademarking this idea so i will expect compensation when you steal it we know the dozens of you are out there dozens <laughs> <laughs> you get that reference you're awesome <laughs> all right so let's uh let's move on from the from that to our discussion question uh so for discussion today we're going to be talking about uh things to watch on netflix and amazon prime uh we do this periodically we give you recommendations on what to watch on some of the streaming services uh so we're going to tackle netflix and prime this week uh so rob you are tackling netflix so uh give it to me what do you what do you what do you got what do you recommend on netflix so i'm gonna lead with um all quiet on the western front which mm-hmm. just last week as we had talked about which yeah. i still have not yet, yet to see need to see it um so since I'm telling you to see it, I'm going to see it this week. Um, I, got, I got half an hour into it, and it is it, it is in subtitles. So mm-hmm. you do have German, German mm-hmm. with subtitles. Uh, I was too tired to read the subtitles. Yeah. <laughs> it uh, it uh, it had to do that. But yeah, I will I will be watching that for sure. Um, next, I have Ocean's Twelve. Um, hmm. I think a very good sequel to Ocean's Eleven. Um, probably one of the better sequels out there when it comes to a, a straight sequel to a good movie. Um, it's good because it twists how the story is told uh, from the first one to the second one. And even Ocean's 13 does it as well. Um, but Ocean's 12 is on Netflix. Um, speaking of sequels, Enola Holmes 2 just came out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd recommend checking out the first and second ones of those. Uh, Millie Bobby Brown is Sherlock Holmes' sister in these movies and Sherlock Holmes is played by Henry Cavill. So we recently talked about him as Superman. Yeah. So he's also Sherlock Holmes, Sherlock Holmes, Superman, um, the Italian job, the newer one with Mark Wahlberg, most F, um, et cetera. Um, yeah. very funny version of that movie. I enjoyed it quite a bit. The scenes with the mini Coopers racing through the tunnels are awesome. Yes. And, uh, behind the scenes on that is pretty fascinating <laughs> um, chance to watch that um and then uh lastly the bad guys is on netflix as well a uh, cartoon that came out this last year and i think has a really unique and interesting animation style that is it's worth watching the movie just for that but i also think it's a really well done story um sam rockwell voices the main character and pretty much anything sam rockwell is in i'm there for so <laughs> Um, I recommend that the bad guys. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So those are great choices from Netflix. Uh, I did Amazon prime. Uh, so the first one I will start out with on recommendations is kingdom of heaven. 
Kingdom of Heaven, uh, starring Orlando Bloom, is and uh, Ava Green is in is on Amazon Prime. And this is a really, really good period piece. We talked recently about um, Gladiator, and this is one of the movies that followed in the heels of Gladiator. It was also directed by Ridley Scott. Um, it's about a uh, a knight looking for a fresh start who travels to the Holy Land uh, to defend the Holy Land against uh, Muslim invaders. And uh, it really, really has it's it's a really well done movie. It's a really good character story. Um, the arc of Orlando Bloom's character is excellent. The uh, the battle scenes are really cool. Um, it's just a really well done movie. I really love the extended version of this or the director's cut. I should say this. It's the director's cut is really fascinating as well. Uh, it goes in a slightly different direction, which is really interesting, uh, but it's a fantastic movie. I would highly recommend it. Um, my next one on the list is uh, Crimson Tide. Crimson mm -hmm. Tide. This is Denzel Washington and Gene Hackman. It's a sub movie. Uh, it's it's a fantastic uh, portrayal of it's got all the classic things that a sub a standard sub movie wants that that contained environment of a submarine movie just creates naturally creates a sense of drama. Uh, but you have a, a fresh first officer uh, coming into a brand new crew in Denzel Washington, who does not always see eye to eye with his captain, who is Gene Hackman. And then they find themselves in a situation where they have conflicting orders and have to decide what to do. And there becomes a mutiny on the submarine. Uh, really, really good high drama. Um, this is one of those movies that comes in right after the end of the Cold War, where you're having um, dealing with like what happens in the fallout of the the Soviet Union and all the break off states that are are there as a result. Uh, so it's got that kind of as a backdrop, uh, but it's fantastic actors, fantastic drama, um, lots of great submarine action. Crimson Tide, highly recommend. Um, the next one uh, I'm going to say is Lucky Number Slevin. Uh, Lucky Number Slevin has uh, Lucy Liu in it, and I'm blanking out on the other guy's name. And I will look it up here. Um, but it's a it's a funny kind of interesting uh, movie where uh, a guy kind of pretends to be. Uh, he just kind of shows up and bad stuff starts happening to him. And you find out further and further as you go along in the movie that there's more to it than meets the eye. But there's it's really interesting dialogue. Uh, Josh Hart, that's the other guy. Josh Hart's not the other star. Um and uh, the dialogue is interesting. There's lots of cool interactions. Um, the scenes are great. Uh, it's an underrated movie, but I, I do recommend Lucky Number Slevin. Um, number four for me. Uh, if you like this series, you should all you should check out these at some point. Uh, the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the Swedish version, is mm. on is back on Amazon Prime. Uh, now, the Swedish version, they did all three of the original books. Uh, so if you liked The Girl with the Tattoo, if you've read that book, if you've seen the American version, 
Uh, there is a, a Swedish version, which was done before the American version, but the Swedish one also has all three books. Uh, so you can see the rest of the story that they did not do in American theaters. Uh, it's interesting. It's definitely, um, it doesn't have the production quality, but it's really well done. Uh, now you are going to have to, you know, read subtitles because uh, it is in Swedish. But Numi uh, Rapace, I don't mm -hmm. know how exactly pronounce that, yep. is, a, is, a, is a person who is known to American actors, uh, to the American theater, as well as um, the guy who plays the main character here. Um, and I'm looking up his name right now. Um, Michael Nyquist. Yeah, Michael Nyquist. He was the bad guy in uh, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. He was the villain in that one. So he is also known to American audiences. So you're not going in there completely uh, blind. Uh, it's a little grittier and at times, uh, not quite as polished as the American versions, but it's quite good. Uh, and the last one I'll go with is Shanghai Nights. Shanghai Nights, the comedy between Owen Wilson and Jackie Chan. It's the second installment of that duo who did a previous movie, Shanghai Noon, which unfortunately is not on Amazon Prime. But Shanghai Nights is a continuation where this time they find themselves in London. And uh, those two are great together. The comedy is great. It's good physical action comedy. So if you're looking for something to just turn on and laugh and have a good time, Shanghai Nights is your ticket. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so that's what to watch on Netflix and Amazon Prime. And we'll write that up and have that on the website for you in case uh, you are looking for one this weekend. All right. So we'll wrap up today's episode with our watch list, the movies that we've watched over the past week. Uh, Rob, what'd you watch? So I went and saw the Rocky Horror Picture Show at Fed Cinema as a drive-in movie. Okay. Which was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that uh, I don't really know how to describe that movie other than insanity. Um, yeah. But uh, there, there is no doubting Tim Curry's ability as an actor after watching that, because anyone who could pull that off the way he did is some kind of actor. Especially the fact that he was taken seriously after doing that, and the yeah. wide variety of roles he played after that. I'm very surprised he was not typecast by that. And it's, I think it speaks to how good of an actor he is, honestly. Yeah, the the sight of him in some of that getup, man, I just, that is not an image I want rolling around <laughs> in my head. It just really is not. <laughs> it was fun seeing some of the, uh, the props and things and hearing people shouting things at the screen. And uh, yeah, I, I would do it again. Um, maybe I would know more of what was happening uh, the next time. Um, I also saw... Uh, Thor Love and Thunder again mm. and I have to say that on second watching I actually liked it a little better I think than I did the first time I saw it okay because I tempered my expectations slightly to what they were going into seeing it in the theater mm -hmm. um, also the whole sequence when they were on the planet and it was black and white I'm almost positive I fell asleep in the theater during that part <laughs> because I was really tired <laughs> and I didn't remember most of it. And I'm like, oh, well, this is pretty cool. I think I would have liked it a lot if I was awake okay. um, when it was in the theater. <laughs> and then um, tonight I watched Pray for the Devil, hmm. um, which I thought was a very good horror movie. I think the horror movies that scare me the most are the ones around spirituality. Hmm. 
And um, like this movie actually scared me, uh, like genuinely scared me a couple times. Hmm. And it takes a lot for a movie to do that. And it wasn't super gory or violent or anything like that. It was just um, thematically very dark and felt um, like, I think the thing with spirituality movies that uh, maybe makes them a little more scary is to me, they're more present or more relatable, um, more realistic because I know some of the things that I've heard of and seen myself. Yeah. So to see um, some extreme versions of those things can be a little, uh, a little frightening at times. Um, I thought it was a good story. I thought they developed it well. And uh, the main actress, I think, did uh, Jacqueline. I want to say her name was Jacqueline Byers, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. I think she did a fantastic job as the main character. So um, if you do like horror movies, Pray for the Devil is definitely worth checking out. Okay. Excellent. Uh, well, this past week featured uh, the day November 5th. So as night follows day and November 5th follows November 4th, I watched Reef for Vendetta. Oh, that was uh, that was an unspoken by me, too. And actually, I watched <laughs> it with my good friends, Keith and Jen, for their first time watching it ever. How, how did they uh, what did they think of it? They both really liked it. Um, they were both very impressed by the um, the soliloquy. Mm. which is probably my favorite one in any movie ever. Yes. But the I actually like the line after it better than the soliloquy itself. When she says, are you some kind of crazy person? <laughs> it's just fantastic. Like <laughs> a perfect response to that yeah. long diatribe using only V words. Yeah. The, the dialogue in that movie is fantastic. There are so many memorable quotes, so many great things. Um, and it's just it's just a fascinating story. It is. Um, as with all those stories, you can take it from one side or you can take it from another side. And either way, it works, you know, and it's it's really it's just uh, it's a movie I come back to every November 5th, obviously, because it's that's the specific date. Uh, but it's a movie I always enjoy. I always look forward to getting to watch again and again. Uh, Hugo Weaving, of course, playing V is fantastic. Um, Natalie Portman is excellent, but Hugo Weaving makes the movie. I mean, he is his his role as V is fantastic. Um, and you and never see is, his you never see his real face. No, either, which you don't. Makes the acting even more phenomenal, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, on top, of the, I mean, a lot of people don't realize that's a that's a DC property. Yeah. So at one point, DC could make good movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was possible. Uh, but yeah, V for Vendetta was excellent. Um, I also watched Ad Astra again. I found myself uh, in a place where I was sitting at a couch. I was donating plasma and uh, I had no Wi-Fi. So it was basically bound on what movies I had downloaded on my computer. And Ad Astra was one of them. Uh, so I watched that one again. Love this movie. It's so different. I love it. Uh, but we talked a couple of weeks ago about framing, about how framing tells a story, uh, how they frame a specific shot within a movie. And there's one just excellent, excellently framed shot early in this movie. Uh, Brad Pitt is talking about um, how, you know, he's doing this psychological report where he's saying, 
I will focus only on what's essential, excluding everything else. And they're intermixing him talking like this, where he's saying, I will focus on my job. I will do this stuff with shots of his life up to this point. And one of them shows like a woman. He's, he's standing in like a kitchen. A woman is walking around in the distance and stops right outside the door and just drops keys on the counter and walks out. And the way they frame this, he is over on the left side in focus. And the entire time she is in the background out of focus. It's Liv Tyler plays, plays his wife in this one or ex-wife. And the way they shot that with him in focus and her staying out of focus the entire time really exemplifies the idea that he is isolating himself on purpose. And the way that, and that's entirely told through how they framed that shot. And uh, uh, to extrapolate the 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 whole point of the movie, pretty much, is that we are alone. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean? And is it actually scarier to believe that we're truly alone, or that there are other species out there somewhere? Yeah, yeah. And it's it's told through the medium of space adventure through one character's journey through space. And and it just does such a good job of conveying that sense of isolation and loneliness throughout the movie. It's it's one of the most visceral films in that way that I've seen in a long time, how every single element tells the same the same story. Every single thing tells the same is is on that theme. And uh last one I watched, I rewatched Death on the Nile. Uh, that's on HBO. I saw that one in theaters and I hadn't seen it since. So I thought I would check it out again. Um, I remember thinking this at the time, but it really stuck out to me before is how long the preamble is to this movie. There's a long stretch where it's just setting up the movie. It's just setting up the story, introducing you to the characters, putting them in different ways, um, making all sorts of like backstory drama play out before you actually get to the, to the point. Um, at first I was kind of worried about it because of how long it was taking to get to the place where, Hey, there's a murder, (laughs) Uh, but, um, I don't mind it. I think it was probably a little longer than it needs to be, but I don't mind it. And you're still getting, uh, I like the Poirot detective character. I think you got more into his character. And of course the big ensemble casts, uh, for these type of whodunit stories, uh, really work well in that genre, which of course, like Knives Out, uh, as we were talking about earlier in Glass Onion, are based around the Agatha Christie style of murder mystery, which uh, Death on the Nile is, was originally a book by Agatha Christie. Um, I would also say, um, if you have a chance, now this was a couple weeks ago, I watched this, but you mentioned HBO Max and also just added to HBO Max was Don't Worry Darling. Hmm. Um, and I think that's well worth a watch if you are into uh, any kind of suspenseful um, movie. Um, so I would recommend that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. All right. You got anything else, Rob? I don't. Well, that is the show. Thanks for uh, checking out Film for Fans podcast. And make sure you go to filmforfans.com. We'll have the list of movies recommendations that you can watch on Netflix and Amazon Prime. Uh, Until next time, enjoy the movies.